you know, we're getting ready, aren't we? Some people have been still decorating and wrapping presents tonight. Shari nudged me and said, who wrapped that gift that Michael's holding up there to show everybody? And I said, Michael did. And she goes, oh. So, whatever gift you bring tonight, however you bring it tonight, whether Reverend Michael wrapped it for you or it's just you and your own heart, we are glad you're here with us tonight. We try our best, and sometimes even though we try our best, you know, just things get away from us. I was being very efficient about a week ago, very efficient about a week ago. I was doing all the things I needed to for church, for Christmas, and checking off my list. So I had the laundry going in one room while vacuuming in another, and then I would get a creative idea. So I'd go to my laptop, and I'd type it in real fast. Have you ever done anything like that? Well, this is the result. <laughs> you, might, you might say it doesn't fit me, but you'd be right. It doesn't fit me anymore. But what's worse is it doesn't fit Walter. It's his sweater. <laughs> Merry Christmas. I'm sure we can find uh, someone the right size to use this as maybe swaddling clothes. Here we go. Here we go. But sometimes we try our hardest to do our best, and then things just happen. Just happen. Just loaded it up and then took it out, and I went, oh, no. I texted him right away to let him know so he could think about it before he got home. Because he would be wearing it tonight. So, just showing it to you. Sometimes life can deal with one of those complications. And sometimes during this holiday season, we want to be bright and cheery. And sometimes it can be a little hard to be that way because some things are going on that are just harsh. You know, we might be in a car accident. Some of us lost someone during the holiday season and we might be grieving. You know, life can be really, really hard for us. And when things seem so cheery and bright and shiny, we want to look for where is the light in the middle of some of this that will keep our hearts from sometimes being so sad. We look at the world that Christ was born into, and it was harsh then as well. We look at our own world, and we see children, over a hundred of them, shot in Peshawar. We see people being killed in a variety of ways. We see people not being killed just around the world with violence and hunger and poverty, but here at home. We see it maybe even in our own neighborhood. And in that space, in that time, we wonder, okay, bright, shiny carols, is that really the way to go? You know, but it's at that moment in time when God chose to say, no more waiting, here I come. No more waiting, here I am. Whether you're ready to be bright and shiny and cheery or whether you are as dark and gloomy as you can be this season, I'm coming. It's going to be Christmas, and it will happen, and your heart needs to be ready for it because I want you to welcome me anew this season. So wherever the space that you are residing in today, whatever that looks like, this day, this night is for you. The Christ child is happening. Because into that darkness, God sends God's self. Not an email, right? No email. Not even snail mail, if you want to call it that. Not even a card. No hashtags, no tweets, no Facebook post, No text. God sends God's self. God shows up in person for each and every one of us. 
no simple way of communication, but a way of saying, I am with you, I am in you. This is what we call incarnation. Have you heard that word before about Christmas, incarnation? God becomes flesh and dwells with us, is one of us, not sending a text, sending you myself in this time. An incarnation, I think, is a wonderful antidote. I've got it on the screen of there's an antidote, it's a vaccine for, that creates antibodies for us for all of those who are anti-body. Have you ever met anyone who's anti-body? See, in the early church, some people thought Jesus was too good to really, really have a body, and that was really just fiction. You know, so the incarnation is about saying, oh, no, Jesus was born of a woman and had a body. I don't know if you've met people in your lives who are still anti-body. Things of the spirit are good. Things of the body, not so much. But what God tells us in the incarnation God gives us the gift of knowing that the body is beautiful and blessed. And I am pleased to dwell within you, within your body, at this moment in your life. Whatever you've thought about your shape, your size, your age, anything going on with you, God says, you're beautiful. You're made in my image, and I'm coming right now, incarnation, to be with and among you. Some of us might need that vaccine again today and really, really believe that it's happening for us, that our body matters, that each body matters, that every body matters, that black bodies matter, that brown bodies matter, pink bodies matter, pasty bodies matter. Incarnation is just that, that our bodies matter. God came and created our bodies. God came and healed our bodies. God gives the spirit to dwell within our bodies. God calls resurrection, celebration of our body. Are you ready to really celebrate incarnation? I did it a little bit this week with some chocolate-covered Oreos. It was a really good breakfast. It was a really good breakfast. But it's a core challenge for many of us in our world to really accept the sacred being that we are, the sacredness of what God's created in us and continues to breathe in us. And this year expects to be reborn this Christmas time. It's a challenge for us to accept it over and over again. And the thing about this body that we receive tonight, it's not, it's not just a body that's already formed, it's a baby. It's a baby that's being born something precious, something new within us. You know, the interesting thing about babies is they have no sense of past. Whatever it is we think we have to overcome, babies just have a sense of the future. When a new baby arrives, we start to, you know, coo and talk in a language that other people can't understand. We start to wonder about what hope there might be in this life. Even as dreary it might seem to us in other ways, this baby came at that time into that culture, into our hearts now, to say, there is hope. I have a memory of the future for you that we want you to live into with love. The child comes without that past and asks us to dream with it into a future, a newborn miracle, where we're expected to care for it, give it generosity, protect it, love it, provide for it. We're expected to make a place for that child in our world and in our hearts. But it is not to be romanticized. 
No, it's not something that we just want to sing about and remember on one night. It's not this wistful yearning of how it used to be before I really knew what life was like and if I could only be a child again. It's about do we receive this child and make space for it in ourselves. It is now. Can Christ be born now? Not just then, but now. Tonight, are you ready to receive Christ into your hearts? Are you ready to be Christ for one another? Meister Eichhardt, a mystic, monastic, would say in his sermons about Christmas, he would say, this is not about then, it's about right now. He said, the virgin birth is something that happens within you. The virgin birth is the story of Christ being born within you through the union of the Spirit of God and your body. Ultimately, the story of Jesus' birth is not about the past, but about the internal, internal birth for you right now. This is the connection of Christmas, not just to remember a story from a long time ago, but can we incarnate anew this time? Can our minds get around and believe that we are birthing Christ ourselves this moment as a body of people of faith, as individuals calling out in hope, calling out in love? Meister Eichhardt says, you are the womb in which Jesus is born. Have you ever been to many monasteries, you know? Those monks can do some crazy thinking when they're in those places, you know? But get in touch with the holy. A friend of mine went to Ireland, and we walked through quite a few old monasteries. We went through one in the middle of some woods, and we ended up at an open place, and then we found the ruins because it wasn't in good repair. And it was just beautiful. We sat there in silence to look at the walls where moss had grown over, to look at the sky because there was no roof in this monastery, to appreciate the holy in that, in that place. And then all of a sudden we heard this noise and we were startled as golfers came through the monastery with their golf clubs in their bags. We were between the eighth and ninth hole of a golf course in Ireland. Sometimes our sacred places and moments seem to elude us, you know, as we try to rebuild them and incarnate them over and over again. But that beautiful place had meant so much for so many for so long, I could still feel the holiness there, even with the golfers coming through. There is a story about a monastery called the Rabbi's Gift I want to share with you tonight. In that story, there's a, a monastery that's fallen on hard times. It used to be a huge order with many locations, even around the world. But after a couple of centuries of persecution and anti-monastic thought, they had lost most of those places. They'd closed down. And then another hundred years of people wondering what the purpose was, you know, then a couple of more places closed down. And at this point in this one monastery's life, there were five monks left. Out of the whole order, there were just five left in the mother house. And they looked at each other wondering what was going to happen next. And they had an abbot father, and the abbot father was praying for what's going to happen to us, our five monks. And it just so happened that he'd been praying a long time, and they remembered, he remembered that there was a rabbi that would come visit a nearby hermitage in the woods. They were surrounded by these deep woods, and the monks being together for so long in that space became sort of psychic. They knew when that rabbi was present they knew that the rabbi was around. They would start saying, the rabbi's here, the rabbi's here. 
Some thought they were psychic, and some thought they could just see smoke coming up out of the chimney of the hermitage. But in any case, the abbot said, let me go ask the rabbi if he has any wisdom for me. And so he goes over to the little hut that the rabbi stays in, and he tells the rabbi the story. And he says, do you have any words of wisdom for me? And the rabbi says, you know, it's the same for me. The people just don't seem to care anymore. In my town, it's the same way. The synagogue, we're really, really struggling. And so they wept together, the rabbi and the abbot. Then they read the Torah together and told stories to one another. And then they appreciated that after all these many years of the rabbi being so nearby, they finally met for this discussion. And then they just wondered. At the end of the evening, the abbot leaves to go back to the monastery. He says, but I didn't get my answer. I didn't find out what I can do to stop what's happening, why our people have been dwindling so. And so the rabbi says, I don't have an answer for you, but all I know is this. I know that the Messiah is one of you. I know that the Messiah is one of you. And so the abbot thought that was sort of strange and went back to the monastery and couldn't figure it out. He told the other four monks there, he said, you know, we didn't get an answer, but he said this thing. He said, the Messiah is one of you. And they all didn't know what it meant. But they started wondering. They started praying and pondering about it. And some of them would think, you know, well, if the Messiah is one of us, maybe it's Father Abbott. He's been our leader for a generation. Surely it must be Father Abbott. And then they said, well, maybe it's Brother Thomas. Brother Thomas is just a saint. Maybe that could be Christ. It could be Brother Thomas. It could be the Messiah. And they said, certainly, certainly not Brother Elred. Not him. He's too crotchety. You know, no Brother Elred could be the Messiah. You know, and then they said, you know, but even though he's crotchety, he's often right. He's often really right. So maybe it could be Brother Elred. And then they go on to the next, next one and say, maybe it's Brother Philip. But, you know, he's just so passive, and he doesn't, he's just so quiet. I don't see how it could be Brother Philip at all. And they say, but, you know, somehow when people need it, Brother Philip shows up and just is there by their side. Maybe it's Brother Philip. And then they thought, oh, no, what if it's, could it, could it be me? Oh, God, it couldn't be me. I cannot be the Messiah. As time went on, the monks started to treat each other with extraordinary respect. On the off chance that one of them would be the Messiah. And on the off, off chance that they might be the Messiah. So they started to treat each other with this respect. As it happened in the woods, this was going on, and people would come and visit the woods and picnic because it was such a beautiful sight in the little park there around the monastery. And that would happen over time, and occasionally people would have this sense of spirit there, this sense of respect, this sense of awe that was, that was in the space, in the nature, in the place, and in the people. And then they would bring their friends back, and they would come back multiple times to enjoy the picnic, and they would also play, and they would also pray. 
And then over time, some of the people started talking to the old monks, all in their 70s. Some of the young people hung around for some conversation. Imagine that. And as they kept talking to them, eventually, a few of the young people, some men and some women, said, we'd like to know what it would mean to be a part of this. We can't name it. There's just this extraordinary love and respect. And as it happened, the monastery grew because they knew the Messiah was one of them. And I would say from that story, it's called the rabbi's gift. This Christmas is about recognizing the Messiah is one of you. The Messiah is this child we celebrate that Meister Eichhardt says is born in you. It's not something separate done without you. It's born in you. This Christmas, can you allow for the space for Jesus to be born anew in your heart, anew in your life? It's a little different than wrapping a present up. It's a little different than just singing carols. It's actually a wonderful lifelong challenge. Can we be those that allow Jesus to be born anew in us in that way? Arthur Marion Williamson puts it this way, and I'm going to read this quote so I don't miss it. She says, we shall, if we agree to, allow our hearts to be the womb for the Christ child, a haven in which Christ can grow in fullness and prepare for earthly birth, God has chosen that Christ be born through each of us. There is no room here, said the innkeeper, Joseph. The inn is our intellect. There's little, if any, room there for things of the spirit, that Marian says. But that doesn't matter, because God doesn't need it. All God needs is a little space in the manger just a little willingness on our part in order for Christ to be born on earth. It may seem to you like it's the middle of the night. It may seem to you like it's dark and gloomy. It may seem to you that you don't even know where hope's going to come. And what incarnation, what Christmas tells us, what the birth of the Christ child says to us, each of us is that light. Each of us is that hope. Each of us is that joy as our hearts become the very womb in which the Christ child is born tonight. Are you ready to take Jesus home with you tonight? Take Jesus home even as this little infant that you need to love, be generous with, grow, protect, so that it may shine and change the world. Know this, as you leave, and we'll be leaving singing with candles in our hands glowing. Jesus, the Christ child, is right there waiting at the door. Right there waiting, waiting at the door. Just for you to pick him up and take him home. Maybe for the day, for the week, but mostly for your life. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Christ's candle. Let us pray. Thank you, scandalous God, for giving yourself to the world, not in the powerful and the extraordinary, but in the flesh and the familiar, in a baby, in bread and wine. Thank you, God, with us for offering at journey's end a new beginning, for setting in the poverty of a stable the richest jewel of your love, for revealing in a particular place, in a particular body, your light for all nations. Thank you, vulnerable God, for bringing us to the place where you dwell, where the empty are filled and the filled are emptied, where the poor find riches and the rich recognize their poverty, where all who kneel and hold out their hands are fed. Thank you, Holy One, for this sacred time in this sacred place for affirming that you are at work within your sacred people, for calling us to sacred paths, both known and unknown, to be Christ, to be sacred being itself, to see Christ in one another. In this hour and every hour, abide with us, our God, Emmanuel. Amen. Amen. At this time, we invite you to, during this musical offering, bring forward your gift that you would give to the church this season.